Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is an actor and co-host of the Buried Broadway podcast. It's Mikey Beverelli, everybody. Hi. How you doing, Mikey? I'm just fine, considering your, the circumstances. Your reinforced bunker. Yes. In, in, in the wilds of the world. We're all, mm-hmm. If you want to know... If you want to know what's going on in Mikey's life, listen to Buried Broadway. Yes. Um, why he's in a in reinforced bunker. <laughs> um, our last two episodes are really just updates on our life because we haven't really had time to uh, do the podcast, but it is coming back soon. We will certainly talk about Buried Broadway, but before we do that, we're here to talk about, that's right, Woodchuck Chuckers, it's Groundhog Day. How can they bear it to live in a place like this? Separate from the whole human race like this? One little store selling plaid shirts and rakes And it's hunting and fishing and half-pounder steaks And if I have a hope of a better career than this This is the last time I'm broadcasting here Jesus, I have been forecasting too many years To be talking to hicks about magical beavers When I'm done, gonna call up the station And tell them I'm through with this crap and never again will I wake in the morning and That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's Groundhog Day. Okay, one, I'm still sleeping, and this, I'm just dreaming it. Two, it's a prank, and everyone's in on it. Three, it's a flashback from when I was 20, and ate magic mushrooms and thought I was Aquaman. It's some kind of reality show about forecasters, bad bed and breakfast and snow. Five, I've had a stroke and lost my memory of the years since last Groundhog Day. Come on, Phil, wake up, get it together. It must be the weather, it must be the stress. I just need a moment, I just need a rest. That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers, it's Groundhog Day. Hello? Hello? Can anybody help me? That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. How did Groundhog Day come into your life? Okay, so you've probably guessed that it came in through my life through the movie first. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't not too many people have probably seen the musical without seeing the movie first, but there have went, to be people who, and I would love to meet them. <laughs> I'm sure there are, but they're in a minority. I feel like I've seen a couple of movie musicals that I haven't actually seen the movie. Um, yeah. But groundhog day is a pretty big movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually remember when I first came into contact with it. So when I was growing up, um, I had my own TV in my room and a VCR. So I would be getting these VHS tapes, these blank VHS tapes. I put it on that SLP or EP mode so that Mm -hmm. it would record for six to eight hours. Mm -hmm. And I would look at that week's uh, TV guide, um, especially if we had like the free HBO weekend. And I would like look at descriptions of the movies and I would pick what's interesting ish to me as like what, like a 10 year old or something. And I would just record them. I'd set 
timers to record if they were like in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. So I'm with these VHS mixtapes, I end up watching some of the same movies like over and over again. And I ended up falling into Groundhog Day, which I was partially interested in because I like Ghostbusters Mm -hmm. and I knew Bill Murray was in it. Um, So I I also didn't quite understand the time, but I was kind of easing myself into like the horror genre. I was also like a big Twilight Zone person. I would record Mm. uh, those Twilight Zone marathons and just watch them over and over again. And I kind of gravitated towards dark things. And to me, Groundhog Day is kind of, it's kind of like a horror. It is. If, if you take out like the, in the movie version, at least, if you take out like the, the trombone soundtrack right. it, and the little like moments of comedy, it's, it's very dark. Um, and yeah, so like outside of musicals, I'm kind of like a horror and metal guy. Really. Mm. Um, but as far as me falling into the recording itself, um, once I heard that Groundhog Day was going to be turned into a musical and um, Tim Minchin was at the helm, I was like super in. Um, I'm a big Britophile and mm. I, admittedly, like I'm not super familiar with Tim Minchin outside of musical theater. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I'm not. Oh. I, I've, I've looked it into a little bit um, mm-hmm. now and I, I really do dig it. Um, and actually, I do remember Tim Minchin from the uh, that Jesus Christ Superstar yes. um, yeah. recording where he's uh, Judas. Right. Um, but I knew I was going to be into it. Jen happened to be in London while it was in um, at the Old Vic. And so she saw it before me. And um, yeah, I like kind of scouted it out. And we both typically don't see musicals more than once. But after she saw it, she said that, like, we're just going to have to see it again on Broadway. I'll see it with you. Mm. Um, and then when I go into musicals that I know I'm going to see, I try not to listen to the cast recording because I like being surprised. Sure. Um, and I'll admit, like, when I first saw it, I was really blown away. It's like, there's hardly a moment of music um, that I don't like, which is great because since it's Groundhog Day, it does repeat a lot. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, and it also, it felt better in ways than the original piece to me. Mm. I know people will disagree, but like it kind of built on some themes um, that were just kind of touched on, um, kind of reinforced it. And the show made me feel like a lot of things, (laughs) like I was getting teary eyed at times. And it it was both dark and hopeful. And I kind of dig that. Um, So I, I, wanted to talk about this musical because a lot of people I think now even do overlook it. It is turning into a buried Broadway piece. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I, I hope that it doesn't, but it seems like it is. And it's, it's one of the musicals of the last few years that I, I end up listening to again and again and again. Um, and <laughs> the last one I can kind of think of that um, I would listen to over and over again is like probably like parade or JCS or something further back. Mm. So um and also, like, this does give me a break from, uh, t- like, talking about older musicals that are less. Sure, than, sure. Uh, I do like contemporary <laughs> things, too. I do. I like old and new. It's, it's great. <laughs> well, the, it's, um, yeah, I really, I'm of a couple different minds about this musical, but I'm so glad you saw it because I think you're going to be able to answer some of my questions about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is, it, I really like, how much of a departure it is from the movie not in not all the way through but thematically it has some different stuff in it it plays with the characters a lot it gives depth to some characters who don't 
have you know we don't have time for mm-hmm. in the movie um and it really it darkens up phil a lot yeah. it really also i think what you said at the beginning is true it leans into the horror a little bit more i mean the 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 day two song really gets scary when he realizes yes. what's going on it, it isn't it, it, you know we don't have that thing in the movie where there's this long drawn out section where he's like is it me or is it the what's going on like he he's sort of it's comedically he's going a little bit nuts but in yes. the musical like immediately he's in a, it's scary once he yeah. kind of realizes what's happening he, it's it, he kind of gives into like anger quicker mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it, maybe it's just looking at like the physique of the actor like compared to bill murray who's kind of like sure uh, he's like he's not he's a leading man but he's not like you know suave leading man um and right. he is kind of goofy and he does little one-liners like this right. is just dark and i kind of dig it um <laughs> but like it's weird like this musical like it covers like loss and power and not appreciating oh, yeah. small things and and stereotyping and depression and suicide and hope and love like it's it has everything that i want <laughs> those are your big gets that's what you're looking uh, for yes that's, that's what i'm looking for in every show checks all the boxes mm-hmm. uh, the only other musical that has fit is cats which i do like but it doesn't have those things <laughs> broadway's hottest musical is groundhog day mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. this show has everything <laughs> scarves suicide uh yeah i mean it's such a so i guess the my my first Though I will say, my first response when I heard they were making a musical out of Groundhog Day was why. Yeah. It, it's a, because it's, it's a, the, the musicals made out of movies that have a star turn in them, I always find to be problematic as as source material and andy carl has starred in three of these on broadway with this rocky and (laughs) pretty woman and if you'd asked me which one of those was going to run the longest i never would have said pretty woman but here we are (laughs) uh also if you'd asked me which one of those i would have seen i never would have said pretty woman but again here we are um but for an actor who is, and also of course he, he um, but he was also in in another movie musical adaptation with a star turn in it, which is Legally Blonde. So there are exceptions. Legally Blonde is a much more successful musical, I think, than than Rocky or um, or Pretty Woman. But it's just it's hard. It's a tough sled to take a movie where one of the things we love about it is the lead performance, because that is absolutely not coming to the stage no matter what you do and sure. it's because one of the big problems with like big for example which is the first big movie musical i remember <laughs> thinking like this doesn't like this doesn't work at all for me and i don't know why and it's that kind of like oh i like that's one of the there's a lot of problems with big but one of them so is much. that <laughs> big is tom hanks you know yeah and in a lot of ways i think groundhog day is bill murray i think one of the big strengths though that they decided is deciding to go with andy carl mm-hmm. who is not bill murray he's not, not a- anywhere near bill murray he's a much more classically handsome traditional leading man yes. and that gives phil connors a very very different feel when he's that kind of guy and although you are focusing on phil connors throughout the show mm-hmm. because he is not bill murray like you do notice all the smaller things, which is kind of one of the themes too. Mm-hmm. Um, and like yeah, seen really, throughout. It really does a good job of 
of spreading around the love because the movie is Phil's story. I mean, mm-hmm. the movie is a hundred, it's all Bill Murray all the time. Yes. And let me just also say, I think the movie's perfect, like borderline yeah. <laughs> perfect. It's just an absolutely amazing motion picture. Yeah. Which is another reason that I, when you see a movie like that, you're like, yeah, I don't know. Okay. That's how but, I feel about Princess Bride. They keep talking about Princess Bride and I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the thing of is I never like to say no. I never like to say no. About no, for anything. sure. For if sure. They can, if they can make a musical about Admiral Commodore, you know, Commodore Perry landing in Japan, <laughs> yes. you can make a musical out of anything. I've seen enough musicals and listened to enough shows to be like, there is no hard and fast rule. Mm-hmm. But there are certain times where you're putting yourself at a disadvantage from the jump that will make it, like, you really have to do it right. You know, you really, really have to do it correctly. And I feel like this, so for me just listening to it this show does a lot of things right there's a lot of things that i'm really interested in Mm -hmm. and then it does a lot of other things that i just find to be baffling in certain in certain moments which is the problem with again only listening to a show and not and not seeing it um one of the funny things about listening to this album i forgot about are the instrumentals (laughs) 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 which was sort of one of those weird you know, like every time I listened to it, a couple times before we talked, and every time I listened to it, I was like, that's a long instrumental to have on a cast album. <laughs> yeah. For sure, it doesn't have that many I mean, songs. Like, it, you know, it doesn't have a ton I, of songs. I'm not going to say like this show is like perfect. It's definitely not perfect. Oh, sure. I just like like it. Sure. <laughs> it? But yes, yes, there are nothing wrong with that. Of instrumentals. Yeah. The phil- and I like, the, you know, philandering and philanthropy. Like that's, those are fun titles. Yeah. Um, but we get what the so the, there's some odd beat moments. The structure's weird. It, I also really respect the fact that they didn't get the rights to um, "I Got You, Babe." I, yes, I, that was one thing I was like pseudo upset about when I first saw it. I love. I'm very much of two minds about that. Yeah, but okay. I think one thing you get because it is such an iconic moment in the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's one of those weird things though. And I wonder if this hurts its chances a little bit. We, we've mm-hmm. talked about this on the podcast before, where it's like, there are certain things when you have a property, when, you, when you're dealing with the sh- either the show itself being so successful that it is a property or you're adapting something that is a property. You, you have certain things that the audience will demand and not to beat up on Pretty Woman, but I'll go back to it for a second. There are certain things in Pretty Woman you have to have in order for it to be Pretty Woman. She has to wear the red dress. They have to do the snap with the jewelry box. Like, otherwise, it's not Pretty Woman. It's just mm-hmm. like those are iconic things in the movie. Um, and so if you don't do I Got You, Babe, that's a choice. That's a mm-hmm. really, really big choice. And it's not quite the same as, as those other two moments I mentioned, but it is like, and I, I ultimately think it was probably a smart idea to let the audience know this is going to be different. Like mm-hmm. this isn't going to, it's a really good way to clue the audience into the fact that this isn't going to be the movie. Exactly. Like very early on, very early on, mm-hmm. but you, <laughs> you then have this problem where you have eliminated a thing where the audience was, ex- was expecting it, whether they, it ruins their experience or not. I don't think it is the reason the show only ran for 140 performances, but it's, it's one of those things you've toyed with an essential component of the property. Mm-hmm. So you're again, putting yourself at a slight disadvantage. Now I will say one of the joys of listening to this cast album over and over again is hearing those actors <laughs> 
performing that radio banter because it's phenomenal. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's absolutely phenomenal. So funny. They are I, great. <laughs> absolutely great. The ensemble in this show, I just want yeah. to give like applause, shout out to them. They're absolutely. great. Absolutely. And the show does a very good job at showcasing them. Mm-hmm. Um, in like, like I, I don't know if I wanted to talk about this later, but like th- there's two characters who are very minor who have solos. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like act two opens with Nancy, who's the, when he starts sleeping around town, the first person he sleeps with, he tricks into sleeping with. Mm-hmm. And then you, in the movie, like really never see her again. She has like a single line. You after. see her once more. Well, you see her. Let me see. You see her once. They walk past. He, she walks past him on the street when he's yes. with another woman in a great joke. My old fiance. And she doesn't even remember <laughs> me. Um, but she show, she's bidding against yes that's people right, in the, the auction yeah at mm-hmm. the end yeah um but yeah she she opens act two yeah and has a solo that's basically like going into the mind of this minor character i don't really remember i guess i chose to be here i wasn't quite aware that i was put here to be stared at but this world i chose to You are given just to feel the love again. So throughout the endless week and all through the weekend, you will find me here playing Nancy. And and, and then another part of the show. Um, what was it? Let's see. What's what song is it? Well, there's the Ned Ryerson song. It's Night Will Come. Right? Yes, Night Will Come. Mm-hmm. And that like adds this depth to Ned Ryerson that I just like didn't, wasn't expecting mm-hmm. about his wife dying. And like this song about how kind of the opposite of like tomorrow there's going to be sun. He's like, well, night's going to come eventually and everyone's going to die and death is death is inevitable. On and on you grasp and guess and search for patterns in the mess of what has been and what is left to yet endure. The jester shrugs and plays his part, the fearful see only dark, the pious with their hope-filled hearts sing hallelujah. On and on and on you stumble on Towards the cooling sun Turn a blind eye, fight or run Rest assured, the night will come Like, that caught me completely off guard. Well, and it's very good because it replaces the montage of the homeless man dying in the movie, Mm -hmm. which which is one of the sections of the movie that makes it outstanding is that it includes he has limits it is a very important moment for that character where he tries four or five times to save this guy's life and no matter what this guy is going to die on february 2nd there's just nothing he can do about that and it is a heartbreaking sequence but it's a very film sequence it is a montage of of scenes of him trying different things and the guy just doesn't make it and 
So you need to replace that with something. You can't really do that in the musical in the same I, way. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. the way it was staged on Broadway is Ned is like on some stairs, just singing with a spotlight on him. And mm-hmm. you do see a montage of the old man dying over and over mm-hmm. again. Okay. On top of this. On top of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a music. Okay. So it is in the, but it's a musical, musicalized yes. section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of and sense. I, I think, I mean, I think the reason that they did that too was like Phil just treats them as like these stupid townsfolk and he's all about himself. But then you start seeing that they're not just stupid townsfolk. They're they're Mm -hmm. all like fully fleshed out people um, that have, you know, thoughts and feelings. And for two particular characters, we hear a lot about it. And I just think that's great. I like this score, I think better than than matilda i like i think matilda is probably a better show but it feels kind of all over the place in a lot of in a lot of ways whereas this much more feels like he has an ear for how he wants this show to sound Mm -hmm. he has like a sense of how the score is supposed to be uh unified and i don't know how much of that is i don't know if you've noticed the name uh chris nightingale um on any of uh, the recordings or your materials for this show, but Chris Nightingale is a um, is a composer who is credited with um, uh, what's his cover? He's on the cover of the album, which is very unusual, with orchestrations and additional music by. And I think he's the guy who um, uh, Tim. I don't think Tim Minchin can read or write music. I think he's the guy who writes the music like actually writes it down so people could perform it <laughs> <I see. laughs> and and sort of and is the orchestrator obviously so he scores it he did also do matilda and i just love a full sound uh <laughs> I just I truly do. nothing wrong with you know the four-piece orchestra sure. and like the musicals with just a piano that's that's fine but there's just nothing that can beat a full broadway sound it's it's i, I just love it and but this yeah, has it 100 percent. like i was while you're talking about the cohesiveness of it, the only mm-hmm. song to me that like really stands out as like completely, not going to say out of place, but like kind of different than the rest is nobody cares because it's kind of like where the, the, uh, the two guys at the bar are just mm-hmm. singing about how like the, they're just living life without consequence and they're just going to get drunk and stuff like, which leads to him testing the limits of, you know, right. Of his driving and, and all the other arrested. stuff. Right. <laughs> and I think I If no one else is bothered, I was born in this town, and I'm gonna die here too. I spoke recently um, for another project to um, a woman who's been living in in England for, I mean, better part of a decade at this point, I think. Um, Maybe cumulatively, certainly for several years. And she has, I asked her what her sort of, what American stereotypes that you've run into. And one of the big ones she said was that people are shocked that everything she listens to isn't country music. Yeah. And it is, which is hilarious to her and hilarious to me. I'm sure hilarious to you when you'd be like, I mean, yeah, there's country music, but like, (laughs) like not, it's, it's one of the musics. It's a big one, but it's not (laughs) like everyone, you know, it's not that pervasive. And but that is the sound he chooses for 
those small town guys. Now, I think in the movie, also in his defense, the bar they go to is kind of a dive country-ish bar. And the part of the country he's in, I'm sure country music is something that is played quite a bit. But it's funny that like this Australian slash British guy writing about America is like, what's small town? So everything has to be country music. I didn't even think about that. Because like... Of the few, I wouldn't have before I talked to to, the, yeah. to Jesse. It, it, yeah, it's amazing. Like the few uh, British people that I've talked to when I was like, do an American accent, they immediately go to Southern or they go to right. Valley Girl. Those are mm-hmm. the two. <laughs> and I, you gotta and I, do. I, I love a good, like, well, you, the best worst American, I wonder how you feel about this. The best worst British person doing an American accent to me is Benedict Cumberbatch and Doctor Strange. <laughs> because it's not bad. But it's so unnecessary. <laughs> and he does that great British person doing an American thing where he overpronounces words just a mm-hmm. little bit. And it all sounds kind of like this. And you just go. Like, <laughs> I just, so, yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure that just like the generic American, if you ask them to do a British accent, would either do Downton Abbey or lock stock and two smoking barrels yes those are the only two those are the only two those are this is what we know <laughs> it also works as a big broadway score i think because it is about a character coming to a place where he doesn't belong and so he has to have like it has to have that grand unifying thing of a big broadway score because he's or at least views himself as a big city guy mm-hmm. coming to small town america and i'll tell you i've heard some screeds against small town america but like <laughs> Is it day one where he lists all of his problems? With, yeah, I think it is day one. I mean, my God. He has, <laughs> he has a lot to say. I, I, I do like, I like and also dislike when I like a musical theater writer, like just decides to like, just put as many words as they can <laughs> in yes. like a phrase. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like it in this because it's funny or it's, it's well, fun. It has to be the right show. It has yeah. to be the right, yeah, this, the, the, the the thing I will also say for this show is it sets its tone right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very clear that yes. like, this is a guy, you all know the story. So I don't need to, like, <laughs> no. that is, I like, I respect musicals are like, listen, we all know what's happening here. So I don't have to dwell on that for too long. Instead, he dwells on mood and character. And I mean, from the jump, he, they really go out of their, out of their way to make you dislike Phil. I mean, really dislike Phil. And I would, I'm, one of the reasons I'm sad I didn't see it is because Andy Carl can play both sides of that coin mm-hmm. of the sort of vulnerable guy, but he can also play a real asshole if he wants to. Mm-hmm. And he has a really good sneer, you know? And so I, I'm imagining like him doing that and being pretty hate, like hateable. Yeah. <laughs> he really leans into it until like there's that transformation at the end. Um, yeah. So how long does that take in in the show? Because that was something else that listening to it is, is not clear to me is quite kind of when he obviously he flips at some point before philanthropy. Yeah. But that's like seven. We're 17 tracks in at that point. So is it during when is his sort of like transformation occur in the so, show? I think it's after hope um, where he tries to kill himself over and over and over again mm-hmm. um which is funny that the song is being hopeful for that right and also that is my favorite staged thing in the show mm. it's like some like chris angel levels of like magic and doubling because <laughs> he gets killed in like stage left and then mm. like you're just completely following that and then he just like shows up like 
upstage mm-hmm. right. And then, and like, and then eventually you see all the doubles constantly killing themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he wakes up. So it's after that, but I think it's um, the songs after, like everything about you when he's like mm-hmm. telling Rita that like, I, Hey, I know like this is what's happening. And then he goes to sleep and wakes up and she's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, after if I had my time again and the everything about your reprise, I think when it's a very short song, but he, um, he's noticing smaller things about her, not just random facts. He says, and you like Voltaire and the wind in the willows. And when you smile, you get this little crease in your nose. And I know that you think I am shallow. But if you knew how deep my shallowness goes, you'd be shocked. And your toes go numb because you wear inappropriate socks. I know everything. It's, it's, it's switching from something more like, this is a fact, this is a fact, to like things I'm actually noticing about you. Mm-hmm. And then I think, I know you said like the moment, and now I'm talking about four Well, songs. but it is a process. It should yeah. be, I mean, if it does occur, because in the movie, it's not a moment. It occurs yeah. over a span of time. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, I mean, that does sort of, that it happens from the top of act two kind of all the way through mm-hmm. act two. If I were to pick a moment, it was probably the homeless man dying. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Night then, Will Come is yeah. the, yeah. I think that's the big turn. And then he, he lightens up from there and realizes to live for more than himself. Oh, yeah. Which is a good message. It is a good Um, message. (laughs) What you just described about the Chris Angel levels of suicide does also help me understand why, how, how and why Andy Carl tore his ACL doing this. (laughs) Yes. It's crazy. I don't even know where he was going sometimes. Like maybe one or two times I was like up and he's there, but Mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, I, I was not following it. I, I was mind blown. Um, and then I listened to the song again, again, and I actually liked the song too, but I was kind of just focused on what was on stage. I kind of <laughs> like rockier things. And that's like probably the rockiest song in the show. So what are, what are the musicals that you uh, jump up and down about? I mean, okay. Like if you want like the stereotypical answer of like mm-hmm. my favorite musical, the musical that like I started loving musicals, for it. it's it's unfortunately unfortunately i'm not gonna apologize whatever i love them is limiz is great i've seen limiz so many times i even like when jen and i were in london firstly we did see big uh last <laughs> year <laughs> knowing nothing about it and wow the, yeah. <laughs> like they they stunt cast this um the guy who won like their dancing, the Strictly Come Dancing, Dancing with the mm-hmm. Stars, like uh, he was like some former boy band guy and he played the Tom Hanks role. And wow, mm-hmm. uh, I Choices. just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, um, where was I going with this? Oh, we even saw, we saw that uh, 25th, no, 20th, whatever, we, uh, that concert, concert that they mm-hmm. did. Yeah, in, in place of, because they're renovating the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so they put this like huge orchestra concert in place of that, I was like, I need to see this. So I saw it and it was great. I, I will see like a good cast of Lim is um, within, if I have the money to, I will, I will see it. Sure. Um, 
other musicals that, I mean, Parade, I love Parade. And I could talk about Parade forever, but I also mm. know that other people have on yes. your show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's like super, like, why would you like a musical that like you go in knowing the ending? But I mean, th- it's the same with this show. <laughs> well, Mikey, they're slightly different endings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right, you're right, you're okay. right. And also, this show is not real. Um, right. <laughs> there are differences. I, but like, I don't know. I, I tend to gravitate towards musicals that either are darker or mm-hmm. the music itself kind of just makes me feel things um, that sometimes I can't explain where like, I'm like, why am I sad? Like, why am I mm. so happy? I like musicals that really like affect me that way. So that, that's kind of what I gravitate towards. Mm. Um, so like yeah I do like the Sondheims and I, I, I like a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber's and all this you know I, I like certain I, I, I like a lot of things mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do gravitate towards uh, like darker serious music more intense kind of mm-hmm. kind of stuff um, that's interesting to, to me I mean listening to so we'll, we'll, we'll jump right in here and talk about Buried Broadway a sure. little bit so you have a podcast called Buried Broadway with your mm-hmm. your wife Jen and tell everybody the tell everybody the conceit of, uh, of Buried Broadway sure so uh, we, we discover dissect and demystify forgotten Broadway musicals so yeah basically what happened was we have this vintage record player um, that we got for very little, but then have put a lot of money into. Sure. But, um, but you know, like we started looking through like bargain bins and um, one great place, if, if anyone has a record player, go to Second Story Books and mm-hmm. they have like giant section of oh, yes. unsorted records, completely unsorted mm-hmm. for $1 each. And we started looking through and finding things that like we just knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. And then we might see like, oh, Frank Lesser wrote this. That's weird. I mm-hmm. never heard this. So we will just buy it and then we listen to it. And then like our, our collection grew and grew. And then like, yeah, and like we, I found things at some places that were like a little more than a dollar. Like I found um, uh, Let My People Come, the sexual musical. Who are they to tell me what my body's completely bizarre and if anyone wants to listen to our first episode on that or if you want to skip that episode and hear all (laughs) pg stuff after that that's the only like not pg episode um but like we started playing them for some friends and like some like people people liked it and they're like oh well you know these don't have to be completely forgotten maybe some do but these don't have to be forgotten and like um so we, we just wanted to bring it to people's attention and just kind of celebrate it um, cause there's just so much out there and I hate for a piece to just go like completely forgotten. Sure. No, so. totally. I can respect that. It is, it's funny how, when you said 
when I heard, first heard about your show and it was forgotten Broadway musicals, I thought, oh, forgotten. Like, I'll bet this is going to be all shows I've heard of. Well, the thing is, I have heard of them, but I've never heard them. Like, it is yes. a really good, like, I knew of Let My People Come. Mm-hmm. But I had never ever actually heard it. Um, I knew there was a Flowers for Algernon musical. Uh, and I knew who wrote it and who was in it, but I never heard it. And it was really great to, to the thing I like about, one of the things I like about your show is actually hearing you guys talk about these scores and these albums and these artifacts um, in a way that doesn't ruin my intellectual property. So I'm very happy about that as well. Uh, <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Um, thank you. But uh, <laughs> thank you for not chomping my flavor. I really I appreciate it greatly. Uh, but it is true. I mean, it has this sort of, uh, it, it is a real celebration of of what's going on in these, these, uh, these shows that you're like, you know, this recording was made. These shows mm-hmm. exist. And, you know, no one's ever going to stage high spirits again. Like, it's just, probably you know, not. <laughs> no one's ever going to do probably, you know, encores might do a redhead one day, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, like it's, it, 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 but these shows aren't really gonna, gonna come up. And it's great to, to have these moments of reflection on these shows and be like, yeah, this was a show. Like, this was a real <laughs> show that people were in. <laughs> People yeah. wrote this. And at the end we do <laughs> at the end we do um tell people where to get the rights if they want right. to I do appreciate actually that a lot. do it. Yes. And I would love to like have someone tell us, like, oh yeah, like we did the show because we heard it on your show. I'd, I'd, like, I'd love that. I really would love you know, I wish people would do that. I would because I really <laughs> the more I do theater. I wonder if you feel this way too. The more I do theater, the more I am convinced that it really doesn't matter what the show is. Like what the show is, is not the most important draw to people. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I mean, if you're doing, I'll comment on this actually, because because you were in it and it just won a Helen Hayes award and you just posted about it. But like you're doing, <laughs> you're doing Beauty and the Beast. Yes. People will come see Beauty and the Beast because it's Beauty. They'll seek out Beauty and the Beast. For sure. If you're doing Les Mis, people will seek out Les Mis. But, other than 15, 20 shows, people really won't seek them out. So mm-hmm. they're going to the theater for, for myriad reasons. They're going because they like the theater company. They're going because they know somebody in it. They're going because it's Friday and they want to go see something. And I really think that, especially with a musical, you can do something that's kind of weird and off, off kilter and nobody's ever heard of it. But like you say, music and lyrics by Frank Lesser. And people will go... Yeah, okay. You know, like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, how much is it? Where, Where is it? Is it, a, it a, if it's a place that you respect and you mm-hmm. like, and I think this town especially is enough of a theater town that you can get press for it. Like, just, I, I wish people would do that kind of thing. If, mm-hmm. if you're going to do a show that isn't new, I'd ra- I'd, I want it to be a show that I've not seen a hundred sure. times or even <laughs> twice. You know, I want it to be a new show. I want it to be a show that I, that I, <sighs> that I, I was like, oh my God, they're staging, you know, whatever. And it's like, I, I didn't know they, like you could find the rights to that like, show. And I tend not to see the same show more than once. Is mm-hmm. After I've seen a good production of a show, mm-hmm. I actually don't want to like sully the memory of that by seeing another production of it. Mm. Unless there's like, I have a bunch of friends in the cast or if I sure. hear like they're taking um a specific you know point of view something different but if it's going to be a generic version of the show if i've seen a good production of it 
mm-hmm. I most of the time don't want to see it again. And that that's kind of unfortunate, but there, there's so much out there for people to do. Once you dip below the blockbuster, I wonder if there's a difference between doing, oh gosh, I'm trying to put like guys and dolls, let's say, mm-hmm. and, and redhead. I wonder if there's a, a, a noticeable difference yeah. In in that group, it's subject. Obviously, there's a, other, a lot of factors here: the subject matter, audience, blah blah blah. But like, I wonder if there's a difference between doing a second tier musical and a ninth tier musical, really, like substantially from a box office standpoint. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could think of is like what I've seen when I've been in both of those type of shows, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like I have been in a production of a musical that is very popular that just you know sprinkling of seats, mm-hmm. and I did a production of um, like. Flora the Red Menace at first stage years back. And I, I if if my memory serves me right, I, I think it's sold fairly well. I, I could just be making that up. It's been, mm-hmm. my mind is going. But yeah, I don't know. So jealous that you were in Flora the Red Menace. Can I just stop <laughs> and, and say that at this point? Um, I played the old man. Too. I would give my left arm to see a production of Flora. Because that is one of those shows to me. Like that yeah. is, Flora the Red Menace is a show that like, we've done it on this podcast. It is... Nobody does it ever, 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 ever. And Mm -hmm. I wonder, I'm just sort of plowing through your resume here, but like, I wonder (laughs) if there's a big difference between that and Tommy. Like, it just seems like people know what Tommy is, but Tommy's not a show that people jump up out of their seats to see. Yeah. Um, And I just wonder if there's a difference in in box office draw. I I imagine I'm I'm hearing people right now going, there's absolutely a difference, but I want to see some, but I want to see some data. (laughs) Like I want to see, I want to see the receipts and I want to know if there was a, if, if, because I, my suspicion is there isn't, my suspicion is you could get, you know, and and again, craft a balance season, do hits, do the thing, all that stuff. But there's no reason that a third of your season can't be more obscure plays and musicals that people don't know. And I think mm-hmm. it's your responsibility as a theater company to a certain extent, especially once you've achieved a certain amount of, of success to take those chances and educate your audience. Once you have a built-in audience, once you have subscribers, especially mm-hmm. do rock and roll, you owe it to them to broaden their horizons. You know, otherwise what the hell are we all doing here? You know, I love that. I do fear that because of like, you know, the pause on theater right now that when it comes back, everyone is going to look to the big, money oh sure but i also think because of the pause and because of what people have been streaming Mm -hmm. because those are the shows that are popping up and streaming you know what i mean those are the shows that people are like i want to see this i want to see that i think you're right i think this the it's it's gonna be a lot of people playing with scared money for a little while and that's Mm -hmm. fine like money will be tight what you need to do you do what you need to do to get through (laughs) but i think the audience's desire for material will be accelerated and i actually think what we're going to see in dc is a is a unprecedented founding of theater companies which is really saying something in this town because we have a couple i wonder how much i would have i really wonder how much i would have enjoyed groundhog day had i seen it not knowing the score obviously i know the movie like that's not you're not gonna take that away from me but Mm -hmm. i do think that I, i the show is you know, I'm glad there's an album. I think it's a great album. It's very well produced. It, it's it's beautifully designed and and is a great you know a great album. But I I think that it's a musical that is best served not knowing the score because as you say these elements that they changed shifted minor character moments would really take me off guard in a in a great way mm-hmm. if I didn't know they were coming. Um, 
And, but I also wonder about the ending. Yeah, so like, you know, there's philanthropy and Punxsutawney rock, which are those instrumental things. And that's mm-hmm. that's a lot of book. There's right. a lot of book there. Um, from what I remember, again, like my memory, who knows? Sure. But like, I I actually really like seeing you. I, I think it's a great, like it, it just really, I, I, I just love it. So the way of seeing you is, is from, again, what I remember, they, it's, they have their last scene and then they, they do sing to each other that like, you know, Phil finally gets it. Um, He's completely changed. He finally sees her for the first time, even though he's been stuck in this time loop for what, like 30 or 40 years, whatever it is. Um, And like, I don't know. It, Maybe it's I, I was listening to the lyrics more than like actually noticing that like it didn't, it, it doesn't have that like clear musical ending that everyone wants, but it just made me think of all the things that I have in my life and things that I maybe need to appreciate more. Mm. Um, and it, it is like a completely hopeful song, mm-hmm. which I, I, I enjoy. And so, yeah, they just sing that and then the, the sun rises and that's it. That's the end. Okay. Um, so it's not, there's, it, it does not end in like, another dialogue scene in it that is actually the Hmm. end and it is weird for a show that is very musical like is a musical of musicals the musical kind of show (laughs) to end going in completely the other direction is a bold choice but i ultimately might leave people going you know Or not even, it's not even that they wouldn't, that would dislike it, but they leave without that enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. They leave without that jump that you need them to walk out the door with. That, frankly, they, they did when I saw Pretty Woman. There were people on their feet dumping up and down to that opening, yeah. num- the closing number, which was just a reprise of the opening number, <laughs> but it was a bop. You know what I mean? Like, it was, yeah. you know, and, you know, it just, because it, it feels like, it's not the small show that ends without a big mm-hmm. opening number because to also, again, cite the example that we've talked about, I mentioned earlier, but to cite Pacific Overtures, Pacific Overtures is a damn <laughs> weird show, but Pacific Overtures ends with a big rousing closing number. <laughs> like that. it or hate it, understand what it's really talking about or not. And I yeah. don't know that I do. It, it is a, it goes out on the note you need it to go out on. It jumps the audience to their feet at the end. And I, I respect the, like, as a dramatist, I respect the decision. As a musicals fan, I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Paid $150 like, to these tickets, you know? It's, 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 it's a it's weird tug. It's funny, because, like, I like when rules are broken, when it mm-hmm. feels good to me, mm-hmm. but it's a risk to make it. Like, I'm sure it feels good to me, but, like, you're right. Probably a lot of people hated it. Um, or just didn't feel the way they felt they should feel yeah because you do have the, no matter what you even though listen to it or not and the like you go in there and you have expectations and if mm-hmm. they're not met you're not gonna like it and a problem with a musical coming from a movie is you're always going to have these expectations mm-hmm. or anything with like a, a big star in it you're also always going to have these expectations so like maybe this had just so much not going for it but you know i i do find that sometimes i i 
I do like a lot of things that other people don't. Maybe there's something iffy about me. But it's <laughs> well, but it, it is also I wonder how much of that is the Anglophile in you too, because I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. And the Brits have different rules mm. for these sorts of things than than yeah. we do. And like if you listen to if you sort of study the difference between like even a show like Oliver in the UK and in, in the United States or other shows that were like, I was just talking about blood brothers today with the, with a friend of mine, um, which did run for a number of years here, but it ran for like 20 in, <laughs> in, in the West end. Um, the, the Brits have a different sensibility about theater. They are more patient with theater. They expect different things from the theater. And in an American show, you need to come out, have an, I want song, set your purpose, like run to the, like it has to have that kind of push for it. Yeah. And this ultimately tries to do both, which is very ambitious and I appreciate it. And also I agree with you. I, as a dramatist, I am a thousand percent on board. Mm-hmm. Let's end this big brassy Broadway musical with the quietest song <laughs> in the entire recording. And it, cause it's, cause that's what the show's about. The show is about simple things. So mm-hmm. let's end simply beautiful, but, and like, and in, you know, at a, at a smaller theater in a smaller space with a smaller like production, maybe a thousand percent. I mean, I, I do hope that this show is now that it's not on Broadway anymore. I, I kind of do hope that it, it is destined for regional houses. I wanted to mm-hmm. live on and on. And maybe those are the places that it belongs. That'd be so great. Um, because like y- y- a lot of times you go into your regional house and you do expect something slightly different. And this is different. What's your favorite song? My favorite. <laughs> well, it's, it's a mix because I, I think the song that makes me feel the most and the song that like, I like singing is seeing you. Um, even though, again, as a final, a finale, it is right. kind of like a womp womp. But I do love listening to that. Mm-hmm. But um, the other song that I really, I don't want to just pick Phil songs. But <laughs> um, I, I do like um, If I Had My Time Again. Because mm. um, mm-hmm. you really get to see like Rita's point of view of like what she would do if she was stuck in the time loop compared to what Phil is stuck in the time loop, what he's actually doing. And it has some funny lyrics there, some actual comedy in the show where he said that he slept with 90% of women in Puxatani between like the ages of 18 and 84 mm-hmm. and one dude when he was bored, which I just thought was <laughs> like, really, really funny. Mm-hmm. And it just caught me off guard. I think it's, it's great. Thank you so much for talking about it too. Cause it's a recent one, but it's one, like you say, that people don't talk about. So buried Broadway is, is extant. People should subscribe and then episodes are coming. <laughs> yes. They're coming soon. Yes. Uh, and you, you can find us in most, podcast places there's only six right there's six or seven episodes how many there's yeah i believe there's six okay uh, right now and so get caught up gang and then you can push on forward there should be one maybe hopefully by the time this is released there'll be another episode of ours up and more on the way um you can also find it on our website which is my last name.com or our last name.com b-e-v-a-r-e-l-l-i Dot com, so. I was going to say, I almost thought the, the website is ourlastname.com. No, no, no. <laughs> not, not, not. It's a great name for a website. That, that would be. I'm going to go to that website right now. And <laughs> it is porn. Okay. Sometimes it's like I'm stumbling forward, hustled forward, jostled from behind by time. And sometimes 
It's like I'm being dragged, yet always lagging, trying to keep in time with time. But if I could stop the clock for just one day, if I could freeze a moment for a moment, rest before the measure's over, hold the beat for just one day, if I could Had my time again, I would do it all the same. They say, but that's insane. Wouldn't you want to make a couple of changes? The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Original Cast Pod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on all platforms at Unknown Penguin. Enjoying yourself? Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell the world. You can also find the original cast on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, and wherever fine podcasts are available. My thanks to Mikey Beverelli for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Contemplating different ways to suicide I would fight and I would cry And I've tried every food and every drink And every cheat and every choice a thousand times And joy to other And ideally eat about a dozen donuts And I don't know why And I don't know learn piano And I would make a lot of friends If I had my time If I had my time again I'd open all the doors Welcome to the Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is an actor and co-host of the Buried Broadway podcast. It's Mikey Beverelli, everybody. Hi. How you doing, Mikey? I'm just fine, considering your, the circumstances. Your reinforced bunker. Yes. There, <laughs> in, in, in the wilds of the world. We're all, mm-hmm. If you want to know... If you want to know what's going on in Mikey's life, listen to Barry Broadway. Yes. Um, why he's in a in reinforced bunker. <laughs> um, our last two episodes are really just updates on our life because we haven't really had time to uh, do the podcast, but it is coming back soon. We will certainly talk about Barry Broadway, but before we do that, we're here to talk about, that's right, Woodchuck Chuckers, it's Groundhog Day. And put your little hand in mine, there ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb. 